The following message is presented by First Baptist Church in Manny, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmany.org. Now the message. Well, I do appreciate the Oklahoma Sooners look today. Um, being from Texas, uh, I decided to wear black today. <laughs> I was probably more interested in that LSU-Missouri game myself, so I watched that one pretty closely. But uh, the one that bothered me a lot was the one last week. Uh, I believe it was last week when we played uh, that, that team somewhere east of here. I can't think of the name of that town. Was it uh, Ole Miss? Yeah, okay. What bothered me about that game was I, I for just a short moment – uh, I, I thought about what it would be like to be a coach or a player on the sidelines of a game like that. I have been uh, both coach and player on the sidelines, so I, I can remember a little bit, but nothing to that magnitude. We're in a stadium full of people, and uh, there's this group of people, and I'm going to say they're the enemy uh, today. There's these people on this side here that they have they have definite opinions about you. And then there's... This group over here on the other side, and they're a little bit smaller, and they're all for you. They're all in your camp. Um, I remember there's a little town. Um, I probably could say the town. I'm probably not going to be anybody from there. little town called Coolidge, Texas. Anybody from Coolidge? Good, because I'm about to talk bad about them. This was one of our rivals in the, uh, the district that, we, that I uh, grew up playing sports in, and uh, Coolidge was pretty easy to beat in a lot of sports, but they were not easy to beat in football. And not only were they not easy to beat, they were a little bit dirty, according to us. You know how the other team's dirty when it's seen through your your eyes. This game, we were we were ranked higher than them going into the game, and we're uh, we were uh, going probably going to win, projected to win. But that team was mad about that that particular night. And I remember riding in. Uh, the stadium, we were in an old yellow school bus, yellow-orange, with uh, the windows were down all the way there. And some of you may have played on a team somewhere where you rode in the yellow school bus to every game you went to. Well, that's what we did. We were on the old, old yellow bus. The whole team was on there, and the cheerleaders rode in something separate and different, uh, a little bit better quality bus, and they were back behind us. And as we came into town, there were cars lined up, and they did not have good things to say to us. And then the closer we got to the stadium, the more uh, loud it got, more possibly violent that it got. They began to throw bottles at our bus. So they're watching this game with all the bottles being thrown on the field and the cans being thrown on the field at uh, uh, Ole Miss versus LSU. It reminded me of that day of going down that gravel road to the stadium when the other team was throwing bottles at us and hitting the glass on the side of our bus. Um, the, the, turn, the end of the story is not important today, but we won, by the way. Being in a situation where all the crowd is yelling things at you, saying things to you that is uh, meant to discourage you. Now, we're going to be in the book of Lamentations, and I want to tell you that book of Lamentations, if you don't read the whole thing, you're going to come out of here depressed. Because Jeremiah is writing this book, and he's telling the story of what it means to be a child of Israel. 
uh, this Saturday morning, I got texts from all over the place. Somebody, uh, I guess if you're in a pastoral role, people want to let you know quickly that Israel's in trouble. So they, uh, my mother texted before the sun came up and said, Israel's declared war. It's the end of the days. Wasn't long before. She says, not going to be long now. Uh, one of the guys that worked for me that's been around a little while longer than others, he texted me and said, you need to be praying for Israel because there's some terrible things happening. So I sent messages back to both of them and said, those people been at war since they were born. It's been going on. It's, they've declared war eight times since 1948. So that is, that is the nature of that culture. There's a war going on. And what we're seeing in, the, in, in front of us happen right now is the Lord and those against the Lord. And that's going to be your life, by the way. You've lived it. You know it. You could tell this story to me probably better than I could tell this story to you. There are terrible things that happen all the time. And there is a definite crowd that's not rooting for you. Not only are they not rooting for you, they're throwing things at you. It's difficult to be in the, the public eye of any kind, maybe a, a, uh, a head coach of a football team in a city, or maybe a, an administrator for a big company, or a government official, or an elected official. You're in a situation where it would be difficult for you to be a believer because there are so many people looking for you to trip up and wanting to trip you. The world is, is an evil place. So like, uh, you know, we're trained from young people, very young age, on how we should uh, behave, how we should understand the world. Uh, we've got some oppor- an opportunity to spend a short amount of time with our, our granddaughter, a very intense time. And I, I had this overwhelming, uh, I guess, uh, word from the Lord that, well, you need to teach this kid to pray while this kid's around you. Teach this kid to pray. And to know the word. So today, in honor of that, I'm preaching from a kid's Bible. And I got to tell you, the real reason I'm uh, preaching from it is because it's got big letters. And I may not have to wear my glasses. From an early age, you learn how to think and how to interpret things. So for so long in the church, we've been talking about Israel and any kind of war in the Middle East and any kind of great earthquake that happens or anything that happens around the world that seems like a calamity, it's a sign of the end of times. Have you said that? Have you heard that? So because of that, we immediately go to uh, a little bit of fear. Now that fear is rested in a couple of things. And I hope this is the reason you have fear that it's the end of times. You have fear that it's the end of times and there are so many people that do not know the Lord. Now you might be fearful because what you own and have and have built for your life may be taken away from you. Wrong fear. Because it could be in a day. Not, uh, not just a war could take that away. But you could have fear that your comfort is going to disappear. And you build this mindset of gloom. So um, another thing that was buried in my head from a little, being a little bitty kid, and I bet if you're over 40, you might have it in your, in your head too, is on Saturday night, uh, I believe it was Saturday night when this TV show came on, uh, everybody in America that I knew tuned in to this show. And at some part in the show, it would uh, it would flash to a scene of four men sitting on a stage in overalls. 
You may know which one these are. They're sitting there in overalls, and every one of them have a white jug in their hand. And there's jugs all around the room, which tells you right away they've been up to something that's caused their problems. And they begin to sing this song that goes something like this. I'm not going to sing it for you, but how many of you can sing it with me if if I were to? Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, yeah, there you go. Gloom, despair, Ah, it's buried in our head, isn't it? I brought it right back up. Gloom and despair. So Jeremiah, he he has experienced gloom and despair. He's experienced attacks on the nation of Israel. He saw the fall of the people of Israel. He saw judgment from God come on the people because they would not repent. If I have grief for the church, it's because uh, the church does not fully repent from worldliness. Gloom, despair, and agony on us. I'm going to go to Lamentations chapter 3, and I feel like I preach this sermon all the time, and it's usually in my head. I have to ask somebody before I go to a church, have I preached that sermon yet? And here's what he says in chapter 3. It's going to get worse before it gets better, just so you know. I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of God's wrath. He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. He has made my skin and flesh grow old. He has broken my bones. I hear people tell me all the time that uh, all they do every day is either go to the doctor or go to the grocery store. That's their whole life. Go to the doctor to get checked on because aging is set on them. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. He has made me dwell in darkness like those long dead. He has walled me in so I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains. Even when I call out or cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has barred my way with blocks of stone. He has made my path crooked. Like a bear lying in wait, like a lion in hiding, he dragged me from the path and he mangled me and left me without help. He drew his bow and he made me the target for his arrows. And he pierced my heart with arrows from his quiver. I became a laughing stock of all my people. They mocked me and song all day long. He has filled me with bitter herbs, and he's given me gall to drink. He has broken my teeth with gravel. That's a tough one there, isn't it? Chew it on gravel. He has trampled me in the dust, and I've been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say my splendor is gone, and all that I hope for from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wandering. And the bitterness and gall. And I will remember them. And yet and my soul is downcast with me. Yet this I call to mind. And therefore I have hope. Stories turned. Did you think it was going to ever cool off this year? Did you think the electric bills were ever going to go down? I have a group of neighbors. They stand around and they talk about how much their water bills are. All the time. Things looked terrible for a while. And then suddenly we woke up this morning 
I don't know what, you, what the temperature was in Manny, but the temperature on my back porch was 47. It's about what it was here. 47 degrees with the sun coming up with a cup of coffee is a pretty good morning, isn't it? All that was bad suddenly turned. It's gone. Now, that we have hope in more than the weather. We have hope in the Lord. We know, believers, because we've been told, and uh, hopefully for your whole life you've been told, that you can trust in the Lord and you can lean on Him in difficult times and He will bring about hope in the terrible days that you face. Yet I called on Him and I have hope. Verse 22. Because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed. He loves us so much. He cares for us. He uh, shows his love to us. And we're not consumed by all this evil that is all around us. Now this next uh, verse, this next sentence, for his compassions never, anybody know the last word? Fail. They never fail. There's a finiteness about that Hebrew word there. That's It's the end. It's over. There's nothing beyond this. That means it can't be drummed up and somehow massaged and made come back. We think of uh, when you have despair, it's as if you could never get over it. But this passage says very clearly, even when we think his compassion is done, it's still there. Never ends. He never fails. There's no completeness, no, no end to his love for us. His compassions never fail. And they're new every morning. They're new every morning. So when you wake up, all those things that have gone behind us are gone, and the news in front of us. I don't know if you have fitful nights of sleep ever. Uh, I, I don't have them as often as I did a few months ago. But there are nights when you wake up every hour and something's on your mind. Maybe you've had a dream about something that uh, you know you could connect directly to what stress is going on in your life. I want to tell you that the Lord has taught me later in life that I'm really glad when I have a real fitful night of sleep because I know I've got to put that behind me. I've got to sleep it off and start the new day. There are people right now in this room that people are going to listen to this uh, on the, the radio or possibly on Facebook that are going through such a dark time that they don't see an end to it. Their marriages are in such difficult situations. Every conversation is an argument. Every time you go to the mailbox, you, you open it up and there's something new in there that you owe that you possibly cannot pay. There's the trouble with your, uh, with your car and your car doesn't run. By the way, if I, uh, there was a long period of my life. If I had a car that the radio worked and it started on the first try and the windows would roll down, it was a victorious day. So when I get in that new truck now, I think, whoo, the Lord has blessed me. He's given me some good stuff. But there are people caught in the midst of trouble. Your son is so far from God, you just don't know if they'll ever come back. Your your husband has has just so emotionally distant that you don't think he'll ever talk to you again. Maybe the job is going to 
play out soon. People are caught in that. Around the 25th to the 30th of every month, you've got to ask people for money because they don't have any. Gloom and despair, agony on me. But we know his compassion doesn't fail and his newness comes every morning and we can trust him with that new promise. Verse 24, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion and therefore I'll wait on him. It's difficult to wait in those, in those dark days and those stressful days, but we know that we have a promise from the word that we can trust him and we can wait on him because his compassion never fails. Verse 25, the Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. He's good to us. We trust him. He's good to us and he blesses us. It's good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Now, I don't know uh, how, maybe nobody will ever use new carpet as an illustration in this church, so I'm going to use one right now. I don't know how you feel about this, but this makes me feel good. You walk in the room, did you feel better? Walking in the room? It's... um, when I uh, had a college campus ministry, I had buildings of all kinds of ages uh, that I worked in. And my goal was every June to August, I would do a major renovation on the building. Kids were gone, so I worked in the summertime. So that they would walk back in that door and they would see something new. And I wanted that to communicate. It wasn't just for the purpose of some feeling good situation, but it was, I wanted them to know that they can expect new things of blessing in the Lord. Whatever this church has been in the past, whatever it's gone through in difficulties, whatever difficult things you may face in the next month, whatever, the Lord is new and going to bless you with his new work. You're going to see a new day here. So when you walk in here next Sunday morning, you see this carpet. I want you to, in your head, say, the Lord is good. He's doing something new. He's doing something new. He cares about us. He's not abandoned us on this hill to not ever work here. He is doing something new in the lives of people. Almost every time I walk in this building, a member comes up to me and tells me, let me tell you something the Lord is doing with someone in my life. The Lord's at work. He's good. Verse 26, it's good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It's good for a man to bear the yoke while he is young. Let him stand alone in silence, for the Lord has laid it on him. Let him bury his face in the dust. There may yet be hope. Let him offer his cheek to the one who will strike him, and let him be filled with disgrace. For no one is cast off by the Lord forever. Those people that you're concerned about, that are away from him, they're not cast off from the Lord forever. We talk, Karen and I talk about prodigals from time to time because I've been uh, studying prodigals uh, for about two months now. And um, we can have hope that the Lord's hand is still on their life and he's still working and he's still doing things that we don't even know about. And... And he's going to, uh, to show himself to them. 
You want to be renewed today, renewed in this church, renewed in your own personal life. There's some things we're going to have to do. You do these things, you uh, function this way in the way that you live, and you will see that newness come about in your life. And this very first thing, this is one of those lists you can write down. Number one is, is you trust God in faith. Trust Him in faith. I don't know what you're going to do, Lord, but I know you can take care of this. I have hope that you're more powerful than the circumstance that I'm facing. When Israel's in trouble, I worry about, I'm concerned about, I pray about the individuals. But those are God's people. He's got it under control. He's got a bigger plan than I know. Number two, pretty basic list, just by praying. You can renew your hope by praying. Wake up tomorrow morning, it's another cool day, you're on the porch, and uh, you've got the cup of coffee in your hand, instead of saying, I think that's a deer over there, you can say, Lord, thank you for blessing me. These are the things that are the burdens of my heart, and just lay those burdens on him and trust him. Pray. Third thing from this scripture that teaches us that we can do to be renewed is be still. Some of us are really good at being still. You can just be quiet and listen and the Lord speaks to you. And the rest of us, we can't be still. I, I can't be still. Somebody asked, my, my daughter asked, where's Pop Pop? And uh, somebody said he's in the garage. And she said he's always in the garage. Can't be still. But to listen to the Lord, you've got to listen to the Lord. Number four is remembering. You remember a day when the Lord was alive and well and working your life, right? When you knew it. You could feel it. You could see it. Remember how he was faithful then, he'll be faithful again. Number five is listening. There's about four or five people that I talk to every week that have not heard me say a word in my life. They like to talk while you're talking. There's one particular person that will call, and before you said hello, they're talking and have told me two sentences before I can get a word in. Got to learn to listen. Listen to what the Lord is saying to us. Listen to how he speaks through his word. Listen to how he speaks through other people, through messages, through Sunday school. He will be speaking to you. He's faithful to do that. Number six is obey. When he tells you what to do, you just do it. When he tells you how to follow, trust him. And number seven is this, by telling others how good he is. By the way, when uh, most of the music you pick on Sundays makes me feel like I'm 22 years old in Texas. It is, that's, it's, that's the era of this hymnal. And uh, it, it's the days that I was growing the most in the Lord. So we're singing this, these songs, and that was a fairly obscure song. Uh, what, what was the name of it that wasn't in the hymnal? Be Strong in the Lord. Uh, I could sing Be Strong in the Lord from memory over there because it's the good days. It's the good days with the Lord. 
These songs are testimonies of how he is, and we know we can trust him. So there are going to be people that argue with you. Maybe there's one kind of music better than other kinds of music. I think any music that is glorifying the Lord and lifting him up and saying that uh, you can trust him and he is faithful and he is your savior, that's the music to sing. What you're doing when you're singing it is you're telling it. This is an argument I've heard from those in the worship wars back in the day was that the group that was newer said, all, all of our songs are like this. They're all straight up to the Lord. All, all, all the songs you sing in hymnals are like this, and they're singing to each other. And you know what uh, should be done? Both of those. That singing proclamation that the Lord is good, that I can trust him, and I know that someday I will be with him, that, that's a proclamation of the truth of the word. And that honoring God and lifting him up and praising the uh, the Father, uh, that is incredible too. By telling. There's no better advertisement for being part of the the, uh, Christmas musical choir than know that you're telling people about Jesus when you sing those songs. You're telling them. You know, hope... And trust is learned. In my hometown, there's a, a city pool. They're kind of going away. But there was a day that every, every town of any size had a city pool. And uh, it was only open certain times of the day and uh, had, had lifeguards all around it. And parents would drop their kids off and just leave them at the pool. Um, it still exists in my hometown. We drove up at the first part of summer in the little park where it is, and uh, there were kids still there, and it was almost dark, and cars were coming in to pick it up. And there were all kinds of levels of swimmers in that pool. There were kids there with just little inflatable rings on their arms. Y'all know that, y'all know that thing, what are they called? Floaties. That's all I know to call them, floaties. They got floaties on their arms. And you put them out in the water, and you first put them out in the water, they're kind of squealing and squirming and scared. And in about 10 minutes, you cannot get them out of the water. you got to drag them out, squealing and upset and go and not wanting to go home. And then the step beyond that, they go out in the water, and they're confident. They don't have those floaties on anymore, and they can kind of play around and splash in the shallow end. A little bit later, they've had some lessons and somebody's taught them how to swim and they're swimming from side to side in the shallow end. They're starting to get confident, a little cocky about it. I could swim all the way across this pool. Not long after that, they're jumping off in the deep end, sliding down on the little ladder, getting into the pool and Swimming around, going about five, six feet out, and they're frightened the entire time they're out there. Then they swim all the way back to that ladder. Not too far after that, they're up on the diving board. And they're jumping off there as if they have not a fear in the world. Off in the deep end. Swim around a little bit. Get out. Go back up out there. Make sure everybody's looking. Jump off again. That's someone who has developed faith over life. 
I trust the Lord with this little bitty thing, and all of a sudden I'm swimming. Swimming in His grace. I could trust Him with everything. So far that you are willing to, to jump off in the deep end and trust Him. You know, um, I was one of those kids that never got out of the kiddie pool and swimming. I could swim a little bit, enough to save myself. I couldn't save anybody else if I wanted to. Uh, the place that I lived and grew up, there was one body of water, and it was dark brown and full of snakes, and cows drank out of it and did other things too. We weren't getting in that. Swimming wasn't a part of our life. I regret that. Regret that. Wish I'd learned to swim younger. Let's pour some life into the children's ministry here. All the energy you can put and teach people how to trust Jesus. Let's pour some life into the youth ministry here. Teach people how to trust Jesus while they're young so they can swim in faith the rest of their life. Now, you may be here today and uh, all this talk about trusting God is foreign to you and you don't know what that means. At any age, you can step off and trust him because he's there for you. He is faithful and he is good to us. And in the midst of all the crisis in life, he's a cool morning. Brand new hope. Let's pray. Father, thank you for blessing us today with your word and the music we heard and the, and the announcements. And Father, I pray that all of this talk about trusting you is more than just talk, but it is action. And someone in this room who's been on the edge of stepping out and trusting you, Father, will step out and trust you. And say, Lord, I trust you with my marriage. Lord, I trust you with my Children, Lord, I trust you with my finances. Lord, I trust you with my eternity. And Father, they would give that over to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Manny, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about the church, including contact information, go to the website www.fbcmany.org Thank you for listening and may God bless you.